This message comes from NPR sponsor, Acorn TV. Acorn TV is brilliant television told brilliantly. From charmingly cozy mysteries to daringly dark dramas. Visit acorn.tv for a 30-day free trial with promo code NPR. Acorn TV. Brilliant. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Osea. This Mother's Day, treat mom to Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. Sam Raimi's 1981 horror movie The Evil Dead became a cult classic, spawning two sequels, a TV series, and a film that reimagined the franchise in 2013. Now the series gets another reset with Evil Dead Rise, complete with a new writer and director, a new cast, and a truly extraordinary amount of blood. I'm Stephen Thompson. Today we are talking about Evil Dead Rise on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from our sponsor, Whole Foods Market. Planning a party or honoring a recent grad? Whatever the celebration, Whole Foods Market can make things easy, starting with some delicious marinated steaks, always antibiotic and hormone-free. Simple and easy eats are ready in the prepared foods department. And for dessert, how about a luscious berry chantilly cake? Not in the mood to cook? Their catering menu offers festive options ready to order online at shop.wfm.com. Start every celebration at Whole Foods Market. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. Joining me today is Jordan Cruciola. She's a writer and producer and the host of the podcast Feeling Seen on Maximum Fun. Hey, Jordan. Hi. Hello. It's good to see you again. It is good to see you, too. So, Evil Dead Rise is obviously an extension of the original Evil Dead films from the 80s and early 90s, the ones that were directed and written or co-written by Sam Raimi and that starred cult legend Bruce Campbell. In fact, both Raimi and Campbell are billed as executive producers of Evil Dead Rise. Still, new writer-director Lee Cronin takes the series in his own direction. Instead of a cabin in the woods, it's got a dilapidated L.A. apartment building. Instead of vacationing young people, it's got a family. There's newly single mom Ellie, played by Alyssa Sutherland, her freewheeling sister Beth, played by Lily Sullivan, and Ellie's three kids. Unfortunately for the parties involved, what does carry over from the other Evil Dead films is that pesky Book of the Dead. Ellie's son Danny, played by Morgan Davies, finds it after an earthquake and very stupidly brings it back to his room. Soon enough, Ellie is possessed, the whole building becomes seemingly impossible to escape, many horrors are unleashed, and even the humble cheese grater gets a fresh spot in your nightmares. Evil Dead rises in theaters now. Jordan, you are my go-to for all things terrifying. (laughs) What did you think? I had a fun time at Evil Dead Rise, and I was really working hard to not let 2013 Evil Dead influence me as I was watching this. I absolutely, and I'm not in the minority on this one, absolutely love Fede Alvarez's Evil Dead, absolutely love Jane Levy as Mia in that movie. 
I think it's one of the great remakes of all time, period. It is absolutely, if not the great horror remake of all time. So like, truly, I am a, such a huge fan of this movie. It's one of the most fun experiences I've ever had in a theater. I remember I walked out and my friend was like, you were going crazy in there after we saw it <laughs> on a big screen. I was like, I was coming out of my skin. So like, I was really trying to not be like putting those two side by side in my head, but I unfortunately was doing a little bit. This movie, Evil Dead Rise, is delivering the same kind of horror. Thankfully, I'm on board with that. The same kind of horror as 2013 Evil Dead. It's sticking with the same aesthetic, the same like really punch you in the face repeatedly level of stark violence and cruelty. And I loved that. It was, I had a solid good time, even if I did not reach the heights that I existed at for Fede Alvarez's Evil Dead. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I'm coming at it, I think, from a little bit of a different perspective. Okay, I, I was finding myself wanting to compare it to the original kind of Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell series and kind of went into it thinking, well, it's Evil Dead. And one of the hallmarks of the Evil Dead is is a certain kind of humor mm-hmm. to go with its kind of maximalism, mm-hmm. <laughs> the kind of maximum blood spray at, at all times. And I actually haven't seen the 2013 version. Ah. Did that bring any of that humor? Barely, no. This is very much an extension of the tone that was set in the 2013 re-up of the property. Like Suspiria 2018, it is not trying to do the Argento original. Like that movie was trying to do its own thing. Very much the same case for 2013 Evil Dead, where there is that playfulness, I feel like, of the visuals and the reveling in the violence that takes it away from what people would sort of put in the torture porn era, the sort of torture tourism of the 2000s. I think it has an adjacency to that kind of violence, but there is a sort of revelry in the violence that I think makes it play to a cartoon level that it makes it more enjoyable, perhaps, then it's not nihilism violence. This isn't nihilism violence and nor was 2013. What really lifted 2013 to the next level was that anchor point of Jane Levy as Mia. Like the horror community has attached so firmly onto her and Mia and that part. Like we celebrate her, we stand, we are still clamoring for a continuation of 2013 Evil Dead for that reason. (laughs) And Alyssa Sutherland is really good in this movie as the latest like zombie in residence, the deadite in residence who's going to lead the charge of evil against our poor victim family. I wish we had gotten to lean more on her. I felt like she was deposited in for incredible deadite shock when I felt like what she was giving us could have been so much more of that Mia central point if we'd been allowed to go with her as our, like, not just key assailant, but key antagonistic figure exploiting the intimacy and personal relationships of her children. Like, this is a movie about a woman who gets possessed and she's trying to kill her children and her sister. One thing I will say for Evil Dead Rise for damn certain is that this movie will put children in harm's way. And if you're gonna sit there and be like, but they're kids and this is an American movie, you are not safe. Steal Mm. yourself for anything possible. Yeah. (laughs) At the risk of undermining my own credibility credibility as a <laughs> roughneck bruiser. Sure. Um, I definitely, there were points in this movie where I, sat, I kind of sat there like, do carry for Tiefen? Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. The young actors in this movie are doing such a great job. You get a kind of couple of side characters introduced in the apartment building. Don't get too attached. <laughs> yeah. And like when you see them, you're like, okay, red shirts. But then like, mm-hmm. you know, when you have red shirts introduced, you're like, does that mean all of my protagonists are going to 
come out of this okay? And that is a question that I will not answer for you in this particular conversation about this movie, but like be on guard and shouts out to this entire production team. It's set in LA. We'll put that in quotes. Like you see like the US bank tower in the background of (laughs) this art deco gothic apartment building at one point. And that is essentially we are in LA, but the building itself and the, the set it on like one floor of what's happening. I thought they made incredibly dynamic use of this like apartment floor that they had staged. And I thought the apartment itself was really rich and really beautiful and felt so lived in the sense of place in this movie is really awesome. And I thought, the production designing, the art team, director of photography, Dave Garbett. Phenomenal, beautiful work in this movie. It looks spectacular. Yeah, it is also, once it does kind of an initial round of establishing who people are, mm-hmm. you get probably, what would you say, about 10, 15 minutes of peace yeah. in this movie? Yeah. And then it's steel-toed boot yeah. is stomped down on the gas in a way that I've rarely seen in movies. And I got to say, like, my mind never wandered (laughs) (laughs) from from the moment that gas pedal is stomped. This thing is absolutely just revved up, cranked up the entire time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is. It's wall to wall. I thought what the 2013 movie does so well is really once it starts with Poor Mia, like the chokehold never releases the entire time. And that is a similar case with this. What that performance, I think, from Jane Levy and and what it was allowed to do and given the space to do is you really feel the sense of the personal relationships in that movie amidst all the madness. And in this, like we are set up for such rich relationships. We like have a a family of a single mother with her three kids and everyone's doing a fantastic job. And I wanted more more of the sentimental exploitation Mm. of me, of the single mother and like the relationships between the siblings. And I thought there, having seen it done before, I thought there was more room to really like, I cared about these kids because the actors are doing a good job and they're all so cute and terrible (laughs) things are about to happen to them. But I would have liked more personal targeting of those relationships in the midst of each person being degraded and brutalized to really make it sing at that level of like, we are transcending into like one of the great reboot properties, which we know this franchise is capable of. So like, yeah, I had a really good time at this and it did not transcend its status as Mm -hmm. like an extended property entry for me. I just want to point out how absolutely wild it is, Jordan, that your takeaway from that movie is, here's what would have made it more intense and upsetting. (laughs) (laughs) And really, that's my chief complaint. Yeah, it didn't hurt me enough. Like, it went went big. It went bloody. The gore in this is outstanding. Mm -hmm. It, like the 2013 one, really gives you a sense of the in-camera work that is being done to deliver this beautiful violence for you. And again, Alyssa (laughs) Sutherland can't say enough about her really leaning in to Deadite Life and going hard. Just physically, they cast her so well. She has such a magnificent face and stature to bring to this part. It really plays perfectly. And there's an outstanding innovative point of view on a scene of violence unfolding on the other side of a peephole that we watch just like almost video game style violence (laughs) watching a scene play out through a fisheye lens it has almost like a side scrolling quality to it yes and that played really well that part emphasized the tongue-in-cheek evil dead nature of this movie and that that was a lot of fun i was really enamored of it visually and man and i won't spoil anything about it but the final boss 
iteration, let's say, of the Deadites in this movie, it's fantastic. Like the way it plays with showing you just enough to where like not quite getting close enough to where you're kind of looking for the seams. It was like, wow, this is really sick, messed up stuff. And it looks awesome. It's rare that you see a baddie in silhouette. And it is just as upsetting to look at. Yeah, like it's upsetting in that way. Like you want to pause it in a shadow and be like, "Is that a hand?" Like you want to like follow the lines of it and be like, "What could I possibly be looking at right now?" And that's very exciting. And the way it traps them in the building too, I thought it did a really good job of like, Mm -hmm. "You're in an apartment. You're in a city." And this is such a a franchise of isolation. It's like literal cabin in the woods, and then with Mm -hmm. Army of Darkness, you're like going to another dimension. And with this movie, it's like, oh, it's an apartment in the city. So ostensibly, like, oh, no, cell phones, aren't they going to work? Like, the network does go (laughs) out. But also, like, a deadite Book of the Dead earthquake disrupts the whole structural foundation of this building. And, like, they lose the stairway. The elevator is broken and also evil. Like, and the way it keeps them (laughs) in the top floor of this apartment building where, like, conceivably they could be close to safety, I thought it did a really good job of isolating them within a theoretically huge city landscape. I agree. Do you feel like, I mean, and and I think I know the answer to this question already. I mean, people who are notionally open Mm -hmm. to seeing the movie Evil Dead Rise, Mm -hmm. people who see the title Evil Dead Rise and are like, I want to see that, are probably already somewhat familiar with the Evil Dead franchise. That would be my sense. But if you're a horror buff and you somehow haven't acquainted yourself with the series, first of all, Acquaint yourself with the series. Yeah, yeah. But, like, you don't need to know any lore coming in, right? I really don't think so. Because, like, it's the things you will... And not even necessarily as Easter eggs. It's the things you will recognize if you know the franchise. Like, when the Book of the Dead comes out, you're like, that's the Book of the Dead. But, like, it's a sufficiently <laughs> ominous physical text to where when you saw it, you'd be like, that's a bad news thing, whatever that is. And like, (laughs) I like the way it incorporates the thing that has always been a nice compliment to the the book of the dead in these movies is the audio tapes of someone very scarily talking about the book and the way it brings in like vinyls that this kid who clearly is an aspiring DJ or something is playing and like having to watch him like hand operate, like more quickly spin the 45s that he's playing on his turntable. Yeah. To make the worst possible decision very deliberately and in slow motion. Yeah, sorry guys, this movie features a horror movie character making every dumb choice. So if that's the thing that gets under your skin to prepare yourself for that, like despite the, not even like in isolation is this dumb character making dumb choices. People are telling this character, don't make this dumb choice. I am begging you. And so like at one point, this character acknowledges the dumb choices they have made and is like, this is all my fault. This is all my fault. And I I could not contain myself audibly went yes it is in the theater (laughs) like I was so mad at that character it was honestly that character is fair game anything could happen to that character and I would have been happy about it so I was like yeah you got it all coming to you but yeah I think if you're coming in cold I don't think anything will stop you from being able to engage with this there are great moments though 
where like the entire crowd was sort of chanting lines at the screen where in just like raucous applause when it was invoking like things from Evil Dead 2. It looked cool on its own. I really like how they played it. But if you know what's going on, there is a little something extra there for you to engage in. And clearly, if you can see it in a crowd. Yeah, go see this with friends kind of thing. Like if you're going to watch it, watch it where you can like look around at strangers and be like, are we seeing this right now? Like give yourself the gift of the communal experience of Evil Dead Rise. And it's so nice to know that Ghost House and, and Sam Raimi seem to remain like really invested in these properties. And what a, like Lee Cronin's last biggest thing was the movie The Hole in the Ground, which is like a very slow burning, introspective Irish horror film about about like a child and a single mother. And with this one, it, it seems like he was like, well, I went really quiet on that last one. So I'm going to go in the complete screaming opposite direction for this. What's the opposite of introspective? That's really fun to see. He really seemed to revel and delight in the work. And that's amazing to get to experience. And yeah, it's, it's nice to know that Ghost House and Raimi, like they still feel really present in these films where they're not like tethering it to just the thing that they made, that they love, that they're attached to. We have diverged wildly from sort of the presentation and ethos of the original Evil Dead trilogy. I like the idea of different filmmakers just getting to make their Evil Dead movies, letting them play around and going from Cabin in the Woods to an L.A. apartment. Like, take Evil Dead around the world. Like, this is not a spoiler for 2013. The very end post-credit sequence, Bruce Campbell pops up in silhouette and just goes, groovy, baby. And then that's how the movie ends. So it's nice to have that little imprimatur without feeling like the movie has to be totally in service of this original exactly. idea of the franchise. It's fun to be fresh that way. It is a amazing like watching like the the last halloween trilogy for example how much further iterations of horror franchises can get really boxed in Oof. by their predecessors and by the yeah. lore this movie is not boxed in Mm -mm. I will give it that much. It also scared me very much. <laughs> All right. Well, we want to know what you think about Evil Dead Rise and about Evil Dead in general and where this franchise is going. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PCHH. Jordan Cruciola, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm always thrilled to be horror correspondent for you guys. <laughs> this episode was produced by Mike Katzeff and edited by Jessica Reedy. Hello, Come In provides our theme music. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Stephen Thompson, and we will see you all tomorrow. This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Anthropic. Their Claude 3 model family is enterprise-ready AI. Haiku is fast and cost-effective. Sonnet perfectly balances skill with speed. And Opus sets new intelligence industry benchmarks. Visit Anthropic.com slash Claude. On Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, we have very important people on our show and then ask them about very unimportant things. Here's U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. Uh, we are also reliably informed that among your enthusiasms, in addition to macroeconomic policy, is mobile games. Uh, there is some truth in that. There's some truth in that. Join us for the NPR podcast that considers all the other things. That's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me.